The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to carry, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and the salutation, Rabbi. As for you, do not be called Rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Some years ago, when Bishop Waters was the bishop, he died in 1974. He transferred a priest to Elizabeth City. The priest got into his car and drove to Elizabethtown. There was some confusion that ensued as a result, and it caused Bishop Waters, who enjoyed issuing edicts anyway, to issue an edict to the clergy saying, when you get in your car, know where you are going. (laughs) Not bad advice, generally speaking. In the old days, in the catechism, when we had to memorize questions and answers, remember the first questions in the catechism? Who made me? And why? The answer, of course, God made me. Why? To know him, to love him, to serve him in this life, and to be happy with him forever in the next. Those are questions that anyone from a small child to the oldest adult can understand, although hopefully as we mature, our understanding deepens. But they answer those simple questions are answered in life in this way. Why am I here? Where am I going? And how am I going to get there? It's pretty basic. We have to answer those questions. 
And the world has its own answers to those questions that are not ours. In fact, we do that often, don't we? For instance, if you enroll in a course, you ask yourself the question, why am I here? Where am I going? How am I going to get there? In fact, with any human endeavor, those questions are asked and answered, but particularly the question of life. Why am I here? Where am I going? How am I going to get there? How often do we even think of that anymore? Something so basic, something so elementary. The Pharisees had forgotten the answers to those questions. Our Lord is speaking to the crowds, and he speaks about the scribes and the Pharisees. First of all, he recognizes their authority. They have taken, taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you. In other words, insofar as they teach you about the law of God as revealed through Moses, the Decalogue, the commandments, you are to listen to them. Then he says, but do not follow their example. The hundreds of laws <clears throat> that they had invented <clears throat> over, the, over the centuries that were virtually <clears throat> impossible to obey and to follow. <clears throat> he warns them about this. And you know, that's something you have to consider in our own age. The Pharisees had forgotten the reason for the existence of Israel. Israel came into existence by the will of God in order to prepare the world for the coming of the Messiah. That's the reason for their existence. And the Pharisees and the scribes were supposed to be the ones who directed the people of God to do that, to prepare them for their role as the proclamation of the new kingdom and the new Israel, to prepare the world for the coming of the Messiah. But they have been so focused on the world they created, the world of their own laws, the world of their own privilege, that the reason for their existence was long since forgotten. Our Lord tells them that. He tells the people that. He says, all their works are performed to be seen. They were ostentatious. They knew their world. Their world was fixed, and they would accept no other world. So much so that when the Messiah comes, as he has, they will not only not recognize him, they will do their best to destroy him because he's going to upset their world. We always have to be on guard against that, don't we? When God comes into our lives to upset our world, we tend to fight. We tend to reject God's interference. And so, again, our Lord speaks to them about what the Pharisees and scribes have done and how they are to avoid it. And he gives us some rather dramatic examples not being a called teacher, father, or master. In each case, he's using a sense of hyperbole because in other places, he accepts those titles. But he speaks to them in the sense that the Pharisees and scribes assume those titles to themselves, not as reflections of the power of God, but rather to themselves as individuals. And our Lord, of course, rejects that and then speaks about the nature of humility. The scribes and the Pharisees have forgotten that too. Uh, in their pride as the people of God and as the leaders of the people of God, they had ignored it. The first reading uh, from the book of the prophet Malachi um, warned the priests 
about not teaching what they were supposed to teach, about not proclaiming the covenant, about not making known what is true and false, good and evil. That's their job, is to preach and to offer sacrifice. And now again, our Lord warns the scribes and Pharisees, that is your job. Your job is to proclaim what is true and false, good and evil, but you have forgotten your position. And now you have rejected the very reason for your existence and rejected me. We see that in the church often. It's very easy to forget that the church is here to proclaim the kingdom of God, what is true and false, good and evil. And our world would like, as I said, to answer the questions in different ways. Our world will tell us why we are here, where we are going, and how we are going to get there. And sadly, it's very easy to listen to that world without even thinking about it. So we have a sort of mixed emotions and mixed directions. Now, I've heard a lot recently about the reason for dogma. That's a bad word today, isn't it? People say, don't be dogmatic. Uh, Dogma is a wonderful thing. Dogma is an absolute teaching regarding something that's true. Now, our world doesn't like that. Our world would like a gray world, where everything is not quite true and not quite false, not quite good, not quite evil. Uh, And yet, the church can't accept that, because God has revealed himself absolutely as true and false, good and evil. It's the job of the church to proclaim that. But you see, sometimes in the church, even, people who would like a gray world, morally and dogmatically. The church, no matter what might happen to her, must go on proclaiming that kingdom as God has revealed it. You know, um, when people would like to create a gray world, where, as I said, nothing is really true or false, good or evil, they want to oppose all absolutes, particularly when it comes to certain types of morality. If I want a gray morality, I want to make sure there's no absolute that ruins that. And I have often said that very often when people want to minimize the Eucharist, it's because our Lord, as he comes to us in his body and blood, is the absolute. Not just a teaching on faith and morals but an absolute reality. And I've thought over the years that when people want to live in a gray world, they have to marginalize the Eucharist to just something we do. But when we realize that it's Jesus Christ come to earth, body, blood, soul, and divinity, that shatters all grayness. All relative morality crumbles before him. And when we come to him, we have to face ourselves as we are. We have to face the reality of what God has called us to be. And that frightens people. So people will often avoid the Eucharist just for that reason. Because it's a constant reminder of the fact that I'm not living up to what I ought to be. And I know that I ought to. So when people will come to me who've been away from the church for a long time, my first response to them is not so much as to argue, but as to say, What you need to do is go to confession and come back to the Eucharist. That's where it begins. Then you can begin to get your life together again. Then you can begin to remember 
why you're here, where you're going, and what you have to do to get there. But until you do that, you're going to wander around uh, trying to pretend that everything's all right when in fact you know that it isn't. So, we've come here today once again to realize what God has revealed to us, to accept what he has given to us, and most of all, to be willing to move towards him. You know, I've often said, too, whenever we go to confession, when we leave, we shouldn't go back to where we were. We don't want to do that. We want to go to where we have not been, to where God is calling us. Um, Once we accept that, then we're on the road to a whole new life, and a whole new freedom, and a whole new love. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, that her members will always respond to the call of God to perfection, to holiness, especially the Church suffering, we pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own, they may come to know the will of God and respond to it. For conversion, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering, they may know in their suffering the presence of God. They may know that they are serving him. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost faith, we pray to the Lord. For a greater respect for human life, we pray to the Lord. And during National Vocation Awareness Week, we pray for an increase in vocations in the priesthood and consecrated life. We pray to the Lord. For Catholic educators, that they will uh, inspire students to remain open to God's call for their lives, we pray to the Lord. The young men from our parish will respond to the Church's tremendous need for priests, we pray to the Lord. That young women from our parish will remain open to consecrating themselves to God as religious sisters, we pray to the Lord. <clears throat> and the Christian parents, as they live their own vocations to marriage, will encourage their children to consider becoming priests, brothers, or sisters, we pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died on the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And finally, for all of us here, that our lives will be transformed by the gospel we have heard. We will strive for perfection. We pray to the Lord. Lord, We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of the Lord as we sing. 